0: Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus
1: started. First person we're going to start with is this beautiful mama right here. Um, She is Amy Gallardo. I always want to say Newcomb, and it's not. It's Gallardo. I know. <laughs> and um, she's going to share for a few minutes, but she's on staff here at church, and uh, she's just amazing. If you I feel like probably everybody's met her because she's one of those. And um, she's brilliant, she's intelligent, she's wise beyond her years. And yeah, let's get it started. Can we cheer for her as she starts? Yeah.) yeah.
2: he pushes me off the deep end and he's like well you have to depend on me you can't rely on yourself so watch me do it so I took the easy route I didn't want to wrestle with him and I'm like okay I'll be obedient and do this Um, and so some background information is I was born in the Philippines Um, I'm the youngest of five and when I was eight months old my father was diagnosed with nasopharyngeal cancer is that correct Brittany nasopharyngeal So eight months, um, they said he had a few more months to live, but he actually lasted longer and he passed away when I was three years old. And so from then on, I was raised um, by a strong single mom. She had five kids, um, had a strong faith community, great support system, and um, we moved to America when I was seven years old. And from then on, my mom has been my two-in-one, my mom and my dad. So Um, As I was prepping for this, I'm like, oh, I love statistics and research. And I was just curious as to what is fatherlessness looks like here. Um, And so I I came across this website. It's called Fatherhood Initiative, I believe. And it says in 2021, which is recent, um, 18.4 million children, which is one in four children, live without a biological step or adoptive father. And obviously, this has implications, right? Um, children who are raised in a father-absent home—they're more likely to drop out of school, commit crime, go to prison, four times more likely to experience poverty. And then on the other end of the spectrum, children with involved fathers—they have better uh, well-being, and they have a lower risk of having childhood outcomes such as emotional, behavioral problems. And again, poor school performance, stuff like that. So little did I know as I'm growing up, because it's all normal to me, right? Not having a dad. But I was like, dang, I'm a part of the statistic. And statistics don't lie. Fathers really do matter. And so I'll talk to you a little bit more how that relates to me. But I kind of want to honor and share about my dad and what I know about him. So all these stories, everything I know about my dad has come from my four siblings and my mom. Every year, we celebrate his birthday, his death anniversary, just so his memory lives on. First, my father was quite an intellect. He was brilliant. He was very smart. Um, he was a fixer. They referred to him as MacGyver, if y'all know what that is.
1: Yes. We know what that is. You're just too young to know <laughs> what that is.
2: So he was, he was like MacGyver, and I think that's where my work ethic comes from. And um, I'm not ashamed to say I love school. That's why I pursued a master's degree. Um, I think it's to live on like his legacy kind of. Um, Second, he was a noble and a well-respected man with how well he treated others. My oldest sister, she's eight years older than me. She said that on the way to school, on the way back, my dad would see like her friends and he would pick them up and take them home even though it was out of his way. And different setting, this was like 80s, 90s in the Philippines, He'd pick up hitchhikers and take them to where they needed to go. He just had such a huge heart for people and he was always willing to help. And I'm like, interesting, in co- like my college years, I didn't know, but I was so drawn to social work. That's why I pursued a degree in it. I wanted to be a helper of people. I wanted to be a source of encouragement, kindness to others, and I'm like, okay, makes sense. He's living within me in that aspect. Third, he was strict, yet very loving. Um, If you act it out, apparently it's one look. That's it, you straightened out. He did not need to further raise the tone of his voice. He was just that kind of dad and TBD with how we're gonna raise Luca. But Alonzo and I, my husband, we've had a lot of conversations about raising our kids and the way my father raised my siblings has definitely had an influence. So my biggest takeaway is pretty much, you know, I I was too young. I was three years old, so I don't necessarily have a tangible relationship with him, but I believe in stories about him. I know about him because of what people tell me, and even though he was missing in my life, I'm just so thankful that I found a heavenly father in whom I don't need to rely on people to tell me about him. I don't have to believe stories about him because I directly have a relationship with my heavenly father and I directly get to experience his goodness. And I think the lack of presence of an earthly father is what kind of catapulted me into this like desperation and dependence, you know, on a heavenly father. And I think what God has taught me in this experience too is that, you know, something quote unquote bad or unfortunate that happens to you based on what the world says it can be used for good through eternal lens because God doesn't waste anything. It doesn't make sense to us, but he does not waste anything. He worked, like you said yesterday, he works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. And I just want to share three reminders, three whispers that my heavenly father has consistently just poured into me when I need it the most. One, he says, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13, five, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Two, he says, I take delight in you. Isaiah 43, four, you are precious to me, you are honored and I love you. And then last, God tells me, hey, I don't love you because of you, but it's because of who I am. Romans five, six through eight, it says, you see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He demonstrates his own love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The fact that God reached out to us in great love at our worst and not our best—just let that sink in. You know, it's because of who He is, His identity. And just a quick encouragement for you. Um, referring back to the stats, I'm just thinking. I'm like, man, I've known so. I've seen so many people use that excuse of not having a father in their life. Um, become an excuse of leading them to make unwise decisions, dating the wrong guys, maybe because they're searching for something that's missing. I know I have. But I think what makes me different and why I didn't fully fulfill those statistics of the negative implications is because of my relationship with God and knowing what Jesus did for me. And for that, I'm just so grateful. And you know, it's not, it's not easy. I'm not up here saying, oh, I've got it all figured out. You told me, be as vulnerable as possible. Watching movies where there's, like, a dad and daughter scene, sometimes it hits. Going to a wedding, especially when, like, the father and the daughter are super close and he walks her down the aisle, sometimes I can't. Like, I literally have to walk out of the room. But that's something that I'm continually dealing with, and I have to run to my Heavenly Father and be like, okay, Lord, there's no longer a part of me that's incomplete. And I know I'm made whole because Jesus came to make me whole. So if there's, you know, if there's any takeaway from just this part of my story, it's just that no matter what what form of an earthly father's void maybe you've experienced, you are experiencing, or you may experience, I want to encourage you that we just have a heavenly father who will never leave you. He takes delight in you, and he loves you merely because that's who he is. So good.
1: That was good. So good. I swear Amy could preach. Can she just not preach? She is so good. So good. And, and, and I'll just say this too. Um, are any single mamas out there? Amy should get, you You are not a statistic. <laughs> you are bucking the statistics. Your mom must be amazing. Must be amazing. And single mamas, this is like, Amy is hope. <laughs> For any single mom, your kids, they can be whole and be exactly who God's created them to be. So that was good, really good.
3: Yes, thank you, Amy. I loved what you shared, just the qualities about your dad, and um, I just see them all in you, and I'm, I'm excited for the legacy that he left for you to raise your son, and I, I just can't wait to watch you be a mom thank you for sharing. All right. So next up we have Miss Haley. She's got a little Southern twang. I love it.
4: (laughs) Someone told me that last night. They told me, I love your accent. And I'm like, do I have an accent? (laughs) Um, Haley, I'm excited to hear
3: from you today. Um, You have been a part of our church for how many years?
4: Nine years. Nine years. Nine okay. years.
3: And this lady has never met a stranger. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I,
4: I'm a good I'm a good talker, but I'm not sure about a speaker. We'll if see. you're new, we'll she will find you. <laughs> yes. Well, we're excited to hear from you. Thank you. So, as Brittany said, my name is Haley Inman, and um, I've been coming here for nine years. Um, been through some transitions, and it's been fabulous. Um, And just real quick, um, I remember when Landon first came here, um, he was a guest speaker, and my daughter had came here that weekend, and um, she said, Mom, if they pick Landon to be the preacher, I am coming every weekend. (laughs) And then, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna hold you to that, like two weeks later, Landon was the preacher. I said, guess what, Kendall? <laughs> You're going to be in church every Sunday. <laughs> so just a little story about them. So we really love them, adore them. So um, so my story starts um, in September of 2013. And one of my girlfriends um, that comes to church here as well, um, she had invited me to painting with a twist that the church was having out in Burleson. And I didn't grow up in church, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna come. And so I go and um, I get there with my bottle of wine because it was painting with a twist, right? So you can't go there and not drink. But my friend graciously said, oh, Haley, like, let's leave that and we'll drink it afterwards. And I was like, okay was like that's weird but okay girl i'm like following you so um after we got there um and i went in uh, she, they revealed what they were going to be painting and i said oh it looks like a bird's nest and she goes no it's a crown of thorns and i was like Oh my gosh! I was like, I don't even need to be here. I was like, <laughs> And you know, I was like so embarrassed. And then they were like, "It's a bird's nest," and I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Okay," you know, did, not realizing that God was speaking to me, you know, trying to get my attention. But new Christians, we don't hear that right away. So, um, the next weekend they were having a retreat out in Glenrose that she invited me to. And on our drive out there, she said, um, have you ever been to a retreat? And I was like, no, I haven't. And I said, I don't know how to pray. And she said, yes, you do. And I said, no, I don't. And she was like, you just pray from your heart. And I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so anyways, we get to the retreat And um, actually, there's probably three or four ladies in here that were leading the retreat, but they revealed what the retreat was going to be over, and it was going to be over prayer. So I was like, wow, I was like so amazed, you know, and at the time I didn't know that, but that probably really was the first time that God had ever spoken to me. Um, but, you know, as the years went on and I looked back and reflected, I realized that that was the first time he ever spoke to me. But after the retreat was over, the pastor's wife said, does anybody want to share any experiences or any ways that, you know, God moved or the Holy Spirit moved? And I'm a sharer. And so, <laughs> as most of you know, maybe too much at times, but... Um, there are stories God's given me, and so I am not ashamed to share any of them with you guys. Um, I'm very like open, honest, authentic um, about the stories, and I just think that's a gift from God as well that He's giving me to be able to do that because we get shamed by the enemy, um, and that's not something that God wants for us. So, and and you learn that you know as the years go by, but. Um, Anyway, so I shared and told her that, you know, on the way out there that I told my friend I didn't know how to pray, and then we get here, and this is about prayer, and she said, well, it just goes to show you that we planned this a year ago, and God already knew who was going to be here, and I was like, wow, of course, that took me years to realize, too, that I mean, just like all of us here today, like God put us at each one of these tables. Like he's so purposeful in our lives. Um, And, you know, as time goes on, like, you know, we do realize those things, but I think we get in a hurry sometimes and we forget that. But um, that's something that, you know, I want to leave y'all with a takeaway to always be thinking about the steps that you're taking because those are the steps from the Lord. Um, yeah, so um, after the retreat was over, um, the next weekend, I got up and decided I was going to come to church and but I wasn't going to tell anybody just in case I didn't make it. So <laughs> So I come through the doors and I'm like, Please don't let it burn down. You know, like, you know, and I get in here and everyone's like all happy talking to everybody, knows everybody. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these people look amazing. And they all have perfect lives. And I'm like, I don't know if I need to be here um, because back to my wine, um, I had a drinking problem. um, So. You know, as I started coming to church and showing up, um, I had two ladies here, Miss um, Shirley and Miss Vanessa, and I would come in and um, they would say, "Hi," you know, every weekend. Every weekend. But as the time went on, they would say, "Can I? How can I pray for you?" And I was like. Oh, wow. And I was like, please pray that my husband comes to church. (laughs) I was like, you know, that's all at the time I wanted to share because, you know, we like to share or ask for prayer about someone else because we don't want to have to fix ourselves or be vulnerable, right, to share what's going on with us. But when we do, that's when the enemy you know, we bring it to light, to God, and we come out of the darkness. Um, so anyways, as that went on, i um, <laughs> trying not to cry. Um, I continued to come on Sundays, um, but I would show up and I would be hungover. Um, of course, nobody knew it because, you know, I can, I can go on no sleep. I could probably stay up for three days because I have so much energy. <laughs> Another gift from God. But, uh, you know, I would go out to the club on Saturday nights, drink, drive home, not even know how I got home, but it was by the grace of God. I never ended up in any kind of trouble or anything like that, but, you know, I would hang my head out the window, too, on the way home to get the smoke smell, you know, from the club. I was like, please get out of my hair, because I didn't want to have to go home and take a shower, because I had to get up early to come to church, so, um, but I was being obedient to that, you know, and um, I had a friend here, too, Helen Hackworth, that I was had been in a group ever since I started coming to church. So for nine years, I've been in this group and I felt um, accountable to her. Not that Helen would ever say, where are you? But y'all all know I will. I'm like, who was not at church this weekend? I'm like, I like have a role taker in my mind, but anyways, So I would say, oh, Helen, I'm not going to make it, you know, sorry. Um, But she never, you know, she would say, okay, that's fine, you know. Um, And that was just something I felt like I had to do, but I didn't want to do it. So I would get up and come to church. Because you don't want to tell someone, hey, I'm not showing up, right? Because, of course, I don't. So, especially when I'm committed. But... Anyway, so um, as that went on, I'm trying to think of after what happened next. um, I mean, it was just, it was very hard to come to church um, hungover, no husband, you know. um, And I know we all have things that we bring in with us um, but like I said, as I shared with them and they prayed over me, I noticed things started changing, and you know, and I don't think it was because I knew how to pray. I think it's because I had prayer warriors praying over me. Um, but then I did start um, uh, after, so I got baptized, um, and Miss Shirley was my baptism mentor. Um, in January 5th of 2014. And so that next nine months, God kind of seemed silent to me. Like nothing was really working, but as we know, God is always working in the background, even when he's silent. Um, And I feel like sometimes the more silent he is, the bigger your surprise is. (laughs) So, um, yes, so... um, Nine months later, my daughter's birthday is September 11th. We went out for her 21st birthday on September 13th. And when we were out, of course, I had already started drinking before we got there. Um, I didn't drive that night, which was a good thing. And um, we get to the club, and there was a band playing and everything. And um, I was drinking. We had a friend that was a bartender, So she gave us free drinks. Great, right? (laughs) Like, no. But um, not for me. And they used to call me Harley when I would drink. Um, Anyway, so I get kicked out of the club. And many of you probably are like, who is this person? Because y'all know me now, and it's not me. Like, God has just done miracles in my life, but... Um, so I get kicked out of the club, we go out and, um, of course this story was told to me cause I don't remember it. Um, <laughs> but I tried to punch my daughter's boyfriend at the time, missed him, but punched his friend and fell down, acted like I was doing push-ups because I didn't want to, you know, just think she fell. So I was like, I'm just going to do push pushups, you know? So, anyways, I get up and they're mad, of course, which I totally understand, because I ruined her 21st birthday, um, which, you know, I was totally ashamed of, but didn't know that till the next morning. So they left me. I had no purse, no phone. I found my way down to the movie tavern on 7th down there, and I remembered there was a taxi stand. So I took the taxi. And these guys were probably making fun of me, you no know, telling what they were saying, but um, waiting on my taxi to get there because I'm sure I was telling them something. I just remember them laughing, and that's all I can remember. But um, so the taxi driver takes me home, and he was like, "I live out in Alito, like, and it's like no houses out there, you know, where you're driving." And he said, "Are you sure we're going the right way?" And I said, "Yes, yes, yes. I did know how to get home. God always got me home." but I get home and of course it's three o'clock in the morning. I have to go wake up Sean. And I'm like, Sean, I need your wallet. And he was like, what are you doing here? He was like, you're not even supposed to be coming home. And I was like, I know. I was like, just give me your wallet. I got to pay the taxi. He goes, the taxi. He goes, what is going on? But little note, Sean did not go because he already knew how these nights ended. Um, And that's how they would end. So the next morning I woke up and realized what had happened and was so ashamed. Um, I called my mom and she said, you punched Kendall last night. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, she's got a black eye. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then she's like, no, you didn't. But she, I was like, thanks mom. It's like thanks mom. You know, I'm thinking I punched my daughter on her birthday, but so that was the moment of conviction for me, um, where God said, Haley, like, this is enough. Um, so I started looking up AA, um, meetings in the area. And I found one in Alito and I thought, gosh, I don't want to go to that because what if I go there and I know somebody? Then I thought, well, they have the same problem, right? (laughs) I'm like, like, okay. But again, negative talk from the enemy, right? So I'm like, oh gosh. So I started going to um, the glass house in Fort Worth. And um, after I'd gone there a month, um, you know, you get a twenty four hour token, which I carried around with me, and I was proud of it and so the next month, I went back because I wanted my token that's what i 'm like <laughs> strangest things how God works but so he um, let me hear this lady speak, and she had been um, sober for seven years and she stood up to tell her story and her friends had invited her out for a girl's night out and had encouraged her that it's fine to drink. It's fine to drink. Like you can have one you haven't drank in seven years. You'll be fine. Well, no, she wasn't. She ended up an alcoholic all over again. You know, it took years for her to get back into the AA Um, but what she said is what I'll always remember. And she said, I know now I can never drink again. And I, my eyes just like lit up because one evening on the way home from my small group, God had told me, Haley, you can never drink again. You know, you can never drink again. He had told me that twice. And then when I heard it from her for the third time, I was like, that is God speaking to me, yes. And so God speaks to me in threes. (laughs) I was born on July 3rd. Um, So I relate it to that. And then it's completeness. Um, So, because I'm also a numbers person. And number three is perfect completion. It's the fullness and being complete. Three is resurrection and the number God stamps on divinity. Um, Yes, so, you know, that, and and I'm in accounting, and that just made me whole, and something really started to work for me, Um, and it was God, and it was my relationship. You know, he was telling me and talking to me, which made me talk back to him, you know. Um, so I was learning how to pray, how to talk to God, you know, and just telling what was in my heart. But, um, so, sorry. No, don't say sorry. <clears throat> um, and I didn't really admit <clears throat> that much, Sorry. Um, and it was hard <clears throat> because my family all drinks and <clears throat> just to go around and see that you know it's it's hard when there's something going on around you um and you're trying not to do it um but it's something you can't get out of either right i mean it's your family um But the most amazing thing happened because God took the drinking from me. I never had one urge to drink again after I went to that, after I made it to my one month. I mean, he literally took it. Because if y'all would have saw me, y'all would have just thought, this girl, there's no way she's going to be able to quit drinking And I mean, it's just the most amazing thing and the most loving thing, um, and the things that God does for us. And, you know, we always think that God will do something. You know, we see him doing stuff for others, and we think, wow, I wish he would work like that in my life. But he does. What he does for me, he will do for you. I mean, he loves us all the same. Um, no one is different than the other, right? I mean, just like Amy was saying how much she realized that God was working in her life, you know, and, and drawing her and building her up. But, um, I want to leave you ladies with this, um, and this is from an unknown author, but it says, we all have pages in our stories that we wish we could rip out and throw in the trash, right? I mean, I do. Um, and especially at first, I was so ashamed and I didn't grow up in the church. And I just thought, God, like, I'm t- it's too late for me, you know? Um, he can't use me. And then, I mean, just look, I mean, and if y'all look at that timeline, of what he did. He did that in like one month, three months I was baptized. And then the almost to the exact date of the next year, I had quit drinking, had gotten off Ambien and started working out and lost 60 pounds. I mean, three again, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> Um, But it says, we all have pages in our stories that we wish we could rip out and throw in the trash. Chapters of heartache from what has been done to us and what has been done through us. What if God doesn't want to remove those stories, but repurpose them for good? If you're ready to turn your worst chapters into greatest victories, know this, God is ready to... What has been done to you and what has been done through you does not disqualify you from God's best, not his, not good, but best. We don't want to live good lives because that's not what God has for us. He has the best, the ultimate, um, and for your life. It qualifies you for any even greater purpose than you would have ever even known without it. In fact, the worst part of your story might just be what God uses the most. So sink deep into God's life-changing truth, his words, his scriptures, his story for you. So good.
1: Yeah. So good, Haley. Man, doesn't that just blow your mind if you know Haley? Haley. I'm like, God is so faithful. And, and she didn't even say this, but part of the reason Sean started coming to church was because you stopped drinking, right?
4: Yes, um, sorry. Um, yes, because I had prayed and it was three years after I started coming. He started coming and he just told me, he had already been baptized when he was younger, but his mom had passed away. And he kind of walked away from God. And I was always begging him to come. And of course, now if y'all know him, he lives up here. Yeah. And I'm like, and you know, that, that wasn't how I had seen that either because I thought, oh, I'm gonna get to go drive to church with my husband on Sundays. And no, that never happens. We always have two cars. <laughs> I never got that. But guess what? God got me and he got my husband. Oh, so, I love it. Yes. I love it. So good. Okay. Okay. Thank you for sharing,
3: Haley. Um, and just so y'all know, like what they do for the kingdom and baptism team, like you guys are just awesome. So thank you for.
4: It's, it's in, deep in my heart. I'm like, I want to, I want God to y'all to experience everything God has given me because I'm just, I don't know. I just, I love everybody and I want them to have the same. So Yes. Thank
3: you, Haley. No, y'all are loved by me and God. All right. (laughs) Next up, we have Miss Jessica. Um, Jessica, I just love your... Your kind and sweet spirit. She, her little voice is so peaceful. I love listening to her. Um, you have four beautiful children, and I am so excited to just um, have you share a little part of your story. Well, hello. Um,
0: if you asked my family about my sweet voice, they might not agree, especially my kids. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But like Brittany said, my name is Jessica. Um, I do have four kids. Um, my youngest is about to be one in this month. We're already in June. Um, my oldest is actually going to be 21 um, towards the end of this year. So we have a wide range. Um, my husband and I have been married. Oh, I probably shouldn't have started that because I'm like maybe 10 years. <laughs> I am not a dates person. I'm the one that always gets it wrong. <clears throat> but... um. Yeah, so I'm excited to be able to share just a a little bit of my story. Um, It kind of encompasses um, most of it. Um, When I started praying about what God wanted me to speak today about or just to share with you guys about, I just kept coming back to the different seasons of my life and how God was there for every single one of them. Um, I was a single mom. I had Eliza um, before I was married. Uh, I actually had her when I was 15. So I was a teenage mom, I was a single mom for many, many years. Um, I met my husband whenever um, my daughter was around first grade. Um, So he's now been in her life more years than not. Um, And you, if you don't hear the story, I guarantee you probably didn't know that he was not her uh, biological father because From day one, it's always been my daughter. Um, His family accepted us and took her in. And right away, she was calling uh, Grandma, Grandma, and it was Thea and Theo. And it just, there was never anything different for her. This was her family. So um, we were definitely truly, truly blessed with that. Um, But that was the season that God met me in. Um, And then whenever me and my husband did get married, um, we still weren't... um, fully committed to God, right? Like I grew up um, knowing about who God was, knowing about who Jesus was, but I didn't have a relationship with him. Uh, When I got pregnant with my daughter, my parents um, were a little unsure of um, how to handle the situation. Um, So there was a uh, home for pregnant teenagers that they sent me to back in East Texas, And, um, that's where I learned who Jesus was. And that's where I learned, um, that he loved me and wanted a relationship with me. I got baptized, um, when Eliza was, um, probably not even one. Um, so that's where Jesus saved me. Right. And I always think, um, he didn't just save me to save me. Right. He saved me to save her, um, because I, um, I was lost, right? I was very, very young and I I didn't have a lot of people around me. Um, They were great people, right? But people that would lead me um, to what we have now. Um, And so again, whenever me and my husband got married, uh, we... um, we're a little on the wild side. I will just leave it at that. I am an all, <laughs> I'm kind of an all or nothing. Um, and so while I did get saved when I was very young, um, I wasn't living right prior to getting married. And so I, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not living right, I'm not gonna do it at all, um, which I will advise don't do that. Um, you will save yourself some pain if you just take the steps that you're able to take. Um, and so when Lincoln, um, my, right now, my, he's about to be nine when he was about one. Um, we, well, when I was pregnant with him is when I decided, okay, I'm about to have baby number two. Like, I don't care what my husband's doing or what he isn't doing. Like my family is going to know who God is. Right. So I chose to, uh, start going to church consistently. Um, and again, God met me and, um, started transforming. my life again. Um, When Lincoln was one, after many, many uh, arguments on Sunday mornings, trying to get my husband to go to church, many prayers, trying to get him to go to church, I felt like God was like, "Um, this is not your job. This is my job. Um, And so I felt like God just wanted me to pray. And that's all I did for a year is just pray like, okay, God, you got to get him there because I can't, I can't do it. Uh, when he was a year old, when Lincoln was a year old, my husband finally started going to church and it was like a light switch. <laughs> he went from not going to full on serving and being a part of everything and anything that we could be a part of, um, and which, you know, that's the way he is to this day. Um, and then, you know, going forward, you know, we had Finley and then we had Maximus and, um, It's been a season of learning with baby number four. Uh, Life has been, um, I thought it would change, but it has literally been flipped upside down. (laughs) Um, I've never uh, experienced um, postpartum the way I experienced it with my other kids. Uh, With Maximus, it literally um, just left me defeated. Um, but one of the things that I realized too, it left me defeated because I was trying to do things on my own. Uh, I was trying to make our new circumstances, our new, you know, life, um, I was doing it on my own, trying to figure it out on my own. And God was like, wait a minute, you're leaving me out of this. Um, and so there was healing that he had to do and that he's still doing. Um, but again, when I was praying about today, it just It came back to, okay, when I was a teenager and I was a hot mess, God met me there, right? When I was a teenage mom, single mom, God met me there. Whenever I was figuring out momhood, but also growing up because I was literally growing up with my daughter, God met me there. When I started um, dating my husband and we weren't living the way we should, even though I knew what was right, right? I knew where we would flourish and where we would be better, but we still chose not to. God still met me there. Then when we got married and trust me, I don't, you're with people years, like my husband, we were together years. I don't know what happened on getting married. And then the next day I was like, this is what happened. Like, this is not the reality I thought. Where are all the like butterflies and the happy (laughs) times? And, and, um, but you know, like God met us in that mess and Today, our relationship is better than it has been in our entire time together, and I think that it will continue to grow and to get better. Um, But one of the things that I read and I wanted to share with you guys is that there is a difference between something we did and something we are. Um, There's things that are in our past um, that we can't change, right? But they are a part of our story they are a part of what God is doing in our lives. Um, And the Bible constantly tells us how much good God wants for us, right? But it's not just throw your hands up in the air and say, okay, God, please make this happen or I'm praying every day. Um, No, there's work that needs to follow that. Um, I think oftentimes we're like, well, I'm praying about it. Well, what are you actually doing about it? Because God, yes, he is there. He is waiting for us. His arm is extended, waiting for us to reach for him. But our feet have to move. Um, I think back, just looking over story after story of the lives of the people that are in the Bible. And, you know, they aren't just stories, right? These are realities that happen and relationships with God that happen. Um, and whenever you look at them, they always took an action on the part of the one that was able to fulfill this great calling, right? Yes. That action came first. That trust came first. Um, one of the things that I am learning, and I think I will probably continue to learn, is just that um, I am in a season, and it is seasonal, right? We are in Texas. They kind of all float in one day, but... <laughs> Seasons are a little slower, right? Um, You open up your Bible, you see these great things happening and it's as a flip of a page, right? From chapter to chapter, you're seeing, oh man, this happened, this is great, that was awesome, they did this. But reality is years took place in between those things. And so we have to understand that where we are today, and where we wanna be tomorrow in five years, 10 years, like it takes those simple act of obedience in the moment that we're in. So whether that's, you know, if you're, I know we have this open for uh, what, 12 and up. And so if you're in school and you have friends, um, it's making good choices with those friends, right? It's being able to look at your circle and say, okay, what am I doing for God in my high school? What am I doing for God in college? What am I doing as a young adult? Um, What am I doing as a mom? Um, Laundry piles up. Oh my gosh. If you are a mom, you know, right? But in our mundane, right, we are still serving God. God has put us in a role today that he is just asking for us to be able to trust him in so that he can get us to a greater tomorrow. Um, And one of the things that I think um, that just keeps me moving forward, and don't get me wrong, I struggle. I struggle on a daily basis. Actually, me and one of my friends, we went to a class the other day, and she's like, I see you. And she has this picture of me, and I'm like, girl, that is not reality. Like, I yell, I get mad, I get frustrated. (laughs) Like, there is um, one of the things that I have prayed for years for is for God to give me patience. Um, that is something that I have lacked and I can't even remember since you know probably my 21 year old was a baby. like just patience, right? And so it's a continual thing. But I think it's amazing that because of the transformation that God has done in my life, that people kind of see something different than what I see of myself. And so it's trusting, that God is working, that he is moving, that he is doing something in your life that is affecting the people around you, whether you see it, feel it, or believe it. Um, And so we need to make sure that we are being aware of what God is doing, letting him uh, work through us being available. um, And he's going to take you from season to season. It's just being patient in what that time means. So For, you know, the young adult that's trying to figure out where their life is at right now, I know that things might seem huge and overwhelming, but guess what? God is bigger. Um, For the mama that is struggling, um, maybe they see other moms on social media and they're like, man, that mom has it all together. I guarantee you they don't. (laughs) Um, So keep loving your babies the way you're loving them because you're the mom that God gave them. And so you're the best mom for them. Um, Maybe there's, you know, some single ladies in here that are like, God, what's next? Like, you got a husband out there for me? Like, you might be thinking, you know, and I tell you, like, God has something amazing for you. What that will look like. We have no clue, right? But the the goodness in that is that his word tells us that he wants to lavish his goodness on you. So where you're at today, lean into him. Pray, constantly find ways to seek him because that is where you are going to get a blessing beyond anything that you could imagine. Um, and, you know, maybe there are some wives here that their, their husbands are not on the same page. Um, there's hope, right? Here's, here's two wives that their husbands weren't on the same page, right? And it, it completely got transformed by the power of God. But it's not your job to fix those that are around you, right? It's only God's job. And so we do what we can in the season that we're in with what God has given us today so that we can not only change our life, but we change the generations to come.
1: So good. She has, I could listen to you talk all the time. Every time you share something, I'm, I'm being serious every time you share something in meetings and conversations, I'm like, the depth of wisdom that you have is so good. You are making such a big impact, Jessica. Thank you so much. Seriously. So good. Yeah. Wasn't that great? All these women are so wonderful. We are going to start the second half of the panel and, um, and I'm really excited. Guys, wasn't that great? That was so good. I am so proud of our women. We have some amazing, amazing women in our church. and um, But we're going to start in the second panel and dive into a couple more stories. And like I said, it takes a lot of courage to come in front of people and share your story. So if you will do this with me as these next two women are coming to the platform, will you cheer wildly for Renee and Katina as they come to the stage? Come take a seat, you guys. Thank you for coming. You guys get the cozy chair. Brittany, we should have put you on this. Because <laughs> this I is not a, the most cozy. Back support. If I'm
3: moving a lot. It's because this bump is. <laughs> like, don't move too much. All right. All right. Is everyone heading back from? Give some people some more time. Okay. Well, first up, we are going to hear from Miss Katina. Y'all clap, for Katina. Katina, you are—I um, would describe you as just a natural leader in so many areas of life. Like you are incredible. You're younger than me, and I look up to you. Um, Landon and I adore you, and think you're you're awesome. And you have such a gift um, to, to lead and, um, to speak and to share. And I'm excited to hear your story. Wow.
5: Um, way too kind. (laughs) Um, but as uh, Brittany said, my name is Katina Davis. Um, I've been at Trademark for maybe about four years now. And I just have to come clean and let you guys know up front, I am the least interesting person speaking today. (laughs) When when Natalie reached out to me about doing this, you know, one of the thoughts that went through my mind was, I don't feel like I have a story worth telling. Um, You know, really, for most of my life, for as long as I can remember, people have been telling me their story. And so as a toddler even, like people are telling me their stories. I've heard things ranging from breakups and bankruptcy to to abuse and rape and kidnapping. I've heard pretty much every story. And I'm not a therapist, but that's just how it's been. It's to the point where my friends, when they realized what was going on, they, they gave me a nickname. They started calling me a soul diver. Because people would just pour out their hearts to me. And it gets a little awkward sometimes. You're at Walmart just buying stuff, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it gets real. But I, I've been hearing stories, and, and what happened is it had a, a variety of, of effects on my life. It impacted me in a lot of different ways uh, some positive, and some not so positive. Um, on the positive side, it's made me a little bit more forgiving because I understand that every single person has some sort of a sadness or a pain or something that they're dealing with that when they're unpleasant, it's because it's likely because of that that impacted them. Um, and it made me a little bit more patient, a little bit more understanding, but it's not all positive. For me, every story that I would hear became a weight that I would carry. And so in my life, I was going through things and I was dealing with things, but I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to because everybody's telling me their stuff and I'm carrying their stuff, and I started to use it, that weight started to become something I used to suppress or press down my own struggles and my own pain. Um, and for anybody in the room, if you suppress, it catches up with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's gonna expose itself, it's gonna come out some way, shape, or form, so if anybody in the room is a suppressor, I feel you, and it's definitely dangerous. The other impact that it had on me is that it started to make me think that everything in the world was kind of dark. It was kind of sad because all I'm getting is just pain, stories of pain, stories of pain. And so I didn't grow up as a believer. I was actually agnostic. I was very unsure about God. Um, It was hard for me to put my faith in a God that would allow these terrible things to happen to people. I didn't understand how God could be good and life could be bad. And so for me, it was a very difficult challenge. It was a very difficult thing to overcome, and it all kind kind of came to a head when I was in college one night, and um, some friends and I were, were living together at the time, and we were broke college students, so we were living off campus in a very bad neighborhood, and we decided we wanted to go back to campus to study that night, and so it was pretty late. We we're on our way to get in the car, and these guys they drove by, and then they kind of circled back. It was a little. It was a little confusing at first and they pulled up next to us and they made it seem like they were asking for directions. And we were caught off guard and so a guy jumped out of the back seat, pointed a gun at us, told us to get down on the ground. And so I'm, I'm laying there and I remember just seeing this, this gun to the back of my best friend's head and he's on his knees and we're just, we have no options in this moment. We have no control over the situation. Luckily, all they did was they took took phones, you know, wallets, went on their way. But for me, that night, I, thought I, I felt like I lost my sense of peace. I felt like when they left, they took my peace with them. And so after that night, I was on a journey trying to find peace. And I started looking in a lot of different places. I, I looked to the world to try and find peace there, but I found out that all the world could offer me was temporary numbness. And so I I sampled a lot of things to try and find that peace, but all I did was find that temporary numbness, and the next morning was always always left me feeling a little bit worse than the night before. I tried to find peace in religion, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this at church, but religion didn't offer me peace. I found truth in religion, but that truth only exposed the lies in my life. And so I figured out that truth without love often causes despair. And so I was in this place of of numbness and despair and spiraling and spiraling until one night I decided I'd had enough and I didn't want to be on earth anymore. I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I remember I was driving home that night and... um, and I had made that decision that this was going to be my last night. And I, I felt like I needed to just make a couple calls and tell some folks, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you for everything. I never told anybody that night you know, what was going on with me. I wasn't because I knew they were going to try and talk me out of it. But the way my state of mind was not, I wasn't thinking clearly. It was very foggy. It was very dark. And I just felt like they were going to try and talk me out of it if I told them the truth. And so I just wanted to make some calls and just say my goodbyes. And so I started with my best friend, who was also my roommate at the time. I called her and I said, Hey, thank you. You know, I appreciate you. And I remember telling her, I was like, Hey, if anything ever happens to me, there's some stuff in my room that I don't want my parents to find. So, <laughs> so I remember telling her that. And, um, and, I didn't expect her to respond the way that she did, because again, just not thinking very clearly, but without knowing anything that was going on with me, she just responded and said, Hey, you know, I love you, and I appreciate you, and I'm just so glad that I know you. And that one moment of her showing me that love was enough to get me through the night. And I felt like I wanted to live another day. And I don't even think I ever told her that, so I probably need to call her and tell her, but. <laughs> Um, I really never told her that story. And until recently, maybe a year ago, I never told anybody about that night. And for me, I didn't have an instant moment of, I'm a believer and God saved me and I'm good to go. For me, it's been one prayer at a time, one scripture at a time, one day of serving at a time, one small step at a time, on this journey to building a relationship with Jesus. Because I figured out that it wasn't religion that was gonna bring me peace, but after walking out this journey, I figured out that it was a relationship with Jesus that brought peace. Yeah. And so now, at this place in life, I have, I have peace when I have uncertainty. I have peace when I have doubt. I have peace when I have disagreements. I have peace that surpasses understanding. And that only comes from a relationship with Jesus. And so for me, my story is really a culmination of all of these different stories that I've heard from different people. And it's about my walk and my relationship with Jesus that has brought me to this point. And I'm not gonna act like I am perfect, because I'm not, I don't have it all together, but I understand that I now know where to go to find the things that I need that I didn't have before. And so I thought that the night that I was held up at gunpoint, I thought that that was the night that I lost my peace. But until I found this relationship with Jesus, I didn't realize that I never actually had peace before. And so now at this point in my life, I'm still working to figure it out. But I I don't feel that sense of darkness anymore. And it, it made me realize that there's a scripture in John, so it's John 8, verse 12, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so that darkness that I was experiencing that I felt like I was surrounded by, only the light of Jesus can drive out that darkness. But I also realized that until you've experienced darkness, you, it's hard to truly value light. And so having gone through that and having dealt with that, now being on this side of it, I'm just seeking that light of Jesus every single day because I need it every single day. So I no longer, I still, I'm still this soul diver, I'm still that person, I still have these stories, but I'm not carrying it anymore. I give it to Jesus. So if you tell me something, just know Jesus is gonna know too. <laughs> so I give it right to him so I feel lighter, I feel peace, I feel light. Um, but, yeah, that's my story. Thank you guys. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. So
1: good. So good. And she is just anointed. Yeah. Yeah. She really is. You are anointed. I cannot wait to see what God does through your life and through your testimony and just the way, the ability you have to see the Word of God. And, yeah, proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for real.
3: Okay. Well, next up we have Renee. Thank you for being here, Renee. <laughs> um, I met Renee a few years ago, right? Four, I think. And um, four? Is it, has it been four? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can kind of relate to Renee. Um, she might be a little more outgoing than me, but I feel <laughs> like we kind of bond time. over the <laughs> introvert and having loud husbands. So that's... Yes, we can have long uh, coffee dates about that. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I just love you. And um, I know a little bit about your story. And I know that you will bless. um, Your story will be a blessing to all these ladies. And you are just um, so strong. And um, yeah,
6: go for it. Thanks for having me and letting me share. So I actually have a picture of my family, I think. Maybe, there it is. Okay, that's my family. So my husband and I will be celebrating 25 years this August. <laughs> so Natalie, we learned last night, is celebrating f- her 40th birthday in August. So it's a good month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these are my three babies. Two of them are adults now, but I still call them my babies. So. If you are a mom with adult children, you understand. Um, forever my babies. Um, okay, so I have another picture. This is also sometimes, nope, not that one. Back, there we go. That is also sometimes us. i um, just keeping it real for you. <laughs> we, um, I'm pretty sure my husband said something rude to one of the kids and, you know, mama bear comes out. So um, <laughs> it's just real life. So... Um, We all have a story. I love this weekend because I love hearing everybody's story. I just think it's, um, they're beautiful. Everybody's story is beautiful and unique. And we get to write a lot of the chapters in our stories, but sometimes life writes chapters for us. And it's nothing that we chose. It's just life happens. And so that's uh, the beginning of what I'm going to share with you today. So I was 24, young, and about ready to have my first baby. And Cassidy was, um, so far I'd had a healthy pregnancy. My husband and I were young and healthy and had no reason to think anything was wrong whatsoever. And so I was at the point in my pregnancy where you're at those weekly appointments, you're coming to the end. I was about three weeks from her due date. And I went in for that weekly appointment and um, her heart rate was really, really high, like scary high. And I hadn't had any of that before in my pregnancy, so it was kind of surprising to the doctors. So they monitored me for a while; heart rate wasn't coming down, and so one thing led to another, and um, I got transferred to the hospital. We lived in Washington at the time, so transferred me to University of Washington Medical Center, and um, decided to induce labor, and um, and so we started that process, and they were monitoring her, and her heart rate still wasn't coming down, so they weren't sure that she could handle going through birth. So we went ahead and did a C-section early the next morning. And um, because of that high heart rate, they had a lot of pediatricians and people ready to take her and kind of figure out what was going on. And Cassidy came out not breathing. So they immediately took her and um, started working on her, trying to figure out what was going on. I had had a C-section, so I was heavily medicated and in and out of sleep but really it was six hours before we even heard a word of what was going on. And so um, in that process, they kind of figured out there was probably a heart problem, but they weren't totally sure and felt it was better to transfer her to our um, Seattle Children's Hospital, which was about three miles from where I was at. But because I'd had a C-section, I couldn't go. And so my husband followed, they wheeled her in I'll never forget that moment. They wheeled her in to me so I could get a quick glimpse of her. And then they whisked her away to children's. And so my husband and I believe, if I remember correctly, our two dads followed because our parents had come up through the night. And um, so they followed and then the mom stayed with me. And that next 24 hours was a whirlwind of, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. I'm like, she's fine, this is just, an exciting birth story. It's fine. And, um, and I was in and out of sleep, again, heavily medicated. But I was starting to feel a little irritated because, um, and I feel guilty saying this, but everybody seemed so sad. And um, people were coming in and out. And they were also going back and forth from children's to me. And everybody was somber and sad and depressed and And I was just like, I do not need this right now. I haven't even held her. And it's been probably 24 hours. Like, I haven't even really held her, barely even glimpsed her. And I had this rare moment where it was just me and my dad in the room. And uh, my dad is a pastor. And he's very gentle. And he's been, he's walked through some of the darkest times with people. And he's the one who just seems to have the encouraging word at the right time. That's my dad. So... I was complaining to him, because I'm like, my dad's gonna fix this, and he's gonna tell me the right things, and, and so I was complaining and venting, like, everybody's so sad and somber, and, and he took a breath, and he said, our girl may have some special needs, but we're gonna give her a lot of love and support. So I knew in that moment, things were not okay, and so over the next several days, we actually found out a lot of things that were broken, in our little girl. And um, so, try not to get emotional, but um, to sum it up, because I don't have enough time to go through her entire story, um, she has been in the operating room 40 times, 4 0, 40 times. Something's major, something's minor, but she's been in the operating room a lot. She was born deaf. Um, She has had three open heart surgeries and a kidney transplant, and um, so one minute here I am, 24, so excited and dreaming about what motherhood is going to look like, and the next minute, motherhood to me is looking down this tunnel of doctor's visits, long hospital stays, surgeries, therapies labs, constant labs, medications, and monitoring all of her medications, lifelong medications. And I had no idea that when I was pregnant with her that I was gonna earn a nursing degree, become a pharmacist, get a master's in special education just by being this sweet girl's mom. And so I had to cope, right? I had to learn to cope. Um, Katina talked about suppressing feelings. That was how I coped, <laughs> that's pretty much what I did. Uh, what more could I do? I had to take care of the sick baby. I had to get up, I had to put one foot in front of the other. There was a lot, a lot of machines, a lot of things going on. And so I didn't have time or energy to even process my own feelings. And so that's pretty much what I did is I just kind of kept them in check. I was gonna be strong, we were gonna get through this, we were a team and God was gonna get us through this. And, and so I just suppressed those feelings. So at one point, my um, family noticed that I was getting into a pretty deep depression and I wasn't really that well. So they encouraged me to see a counselor. And so I went to this wonderful Christian counselor and he did all these assessments with me and and we talked. And he told me, um, you're borderline clinically depressed due to chronic grief. I was like, chronic grief, what's that? (laughs) I've never heard of that. I grew up in a pastor's home. I've heard of a lot, but I had never heard of chronic grief. But what that meant was that, you know, we have, when we have babies, they reach milestones, right? When that first year, every month is a milestone. Every year you expect them to be doing certain things. And Cassidy wasn't reaching those milestones. And some of those milestones she'll never reach. So every time that came along, I was experiencing loss, and I wasn't dealing with that. And so I had to learn a healthier way to deal with that grief. And I still deal with chronic grief. I do. Because even though, um, I mean, she's 20 years old now. We didn't know if she'd live a week, but she's 20 years old now. So she's a miracle baby. But there is a constant battle of emotions because every birthday is loss. Because there's things she's not doing that most 20-year-olds would be doing. But at the same time, like I said, she's 20 years old. And we didn't know even in the beginning how long she would live. So there's a miracle in that, right? So I did learn some healthier coping. And like a lot of these other women have said, it is not perfect. I have not figured this all out. But I've learned some healthier coping skills that I wanna share with you. Because I think the couple I've narrowed down, whether you're going through trauma, whatever you're going through, or just life, I think these are good um, coping skills. But the first one is that I force myself to go through the emotions and feel. Um, My family will attest, and I think Amy mentioned, like there's certain movies that trigger her. I can't watch sad movies, especially involves children. And I have to ask people, what's the end of the movie? And nobody wants to tell you the end. But I'm like, no, I need to know the end. If it's sad, I can't watch it. I literally can't watch it. But I don't like to feel, I don't like to, I don't wanna say I don't like to feel, I don't like to feel sad. And so, what I do for me, what works is I create space to force myself to go through the feelings, go through the emotions. I ugly cry sometimes, and I, <laughs> but I force myself to do that. And you know what, ladies, God can handle your messy feelings, and I've learned that. We try so hard to be so perfect for everybody and have it all buttoned up and show that you know we've got it all together and we... You know, we don't feel emotions and we don't wanna be vulnerable with other women because we wanna be like, no, I measure up. But it's okay, we need to force ourselves to go through those emotions. And so I've created space to do that and I force myself to do that. Um, And then the other thing is that I've learned to truly meditate on scripture. I'm not talking about, I've had people tell me when I've been through some really dark, some of the harder times, you know, just keep praying and reading your Bible. And honestly, that's not helpful at that time. Um, (laughs) It's true. And I do do those things. But um, this was one of the things my counselor helped me really learn to do is truly, truly meditate on scripture. And what that means is that our thoughts create or affect our emotions, it starts with our thought life. And so, what I've learned to do is that um, I just say a scripture over and over and over again. And there's times I'm not feeling the scripture. There's times where like, if I'm reading about peace and I'm meditating on a scripture on peace, I may not feel that peace. I may not even know if I believe it at the time, but I make the choice and take the step to just keep saying it over and over and over in my mind. And sometimes if it's a longer scripture, you just take a couple words each day and just say them over and over again. And I can tell you um, that what begins to happen, because our thought life, it starts with our thought life, is that God begins to control my emotions and my anxieties and my stress. And when the world would say what you're going through, you should be a mess. I feel a sense of peace even though, yeah, I still feel scared or I still feel worried about my daughter or whatever is going on. You still feel those things, but there's this incredible peace that surpasses all understanding that takes root in my heart. And so, um, but it starts with saying that scripture over and over in your head. And so, and I didn't know that before. I'd heard like meditate on scripture. I'm like, well, I read my Bible, but no, you wanna get it in the depths of your mind because that's where it takes root in your soul. So, I have several life verses, so I recommend finding some, one, five, whatever works for you, but I have several that I love that are my go-tos depending on what I'm going through. And so I wanted to share one with you, my favorite. I think this is just my favorite because it has kind of, it's my go-to. It kind of covers all the things, I feel. So it's Isaiah 4031, and there was, I'm sorry, there was another picture. I knew I'd forget it. That was me holding. So if you wanna put that other picture up, there we go. That was, I think that was the first time I got to hold her. But anyway, I knew I'd forget the picture. Okay, so the scripture that I wanna share with you is Isaiah forty thirty one. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not be faint. And I just think this is a beautiful promise from the Lord. You know, the, the Bible is the living word of God. And it tells us that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And so, and I can promise you that when I have made the choice to go to scripture and meditate on that scripture, I have experienced that true peace deep in my heart when it really shouldn't be there, so. Man, that was so good. So, so good.
1: Um, uh, do you mind if I ask a question? Sure. Okay. So, cause you're every day, walking through this every day, just keeping one foot in front of another, and it's amazing. And Renee is like, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I come and vent to her, and I'm like, and she's just a peace and wisdom of God and encouragement, and you're such a blessing to me personally. But thank you for sharing that. So when you wake up, you're overwhelmed. What's the first thing you do? Or something happens, what's your go-to, you kind of talked about coping mechanisms, you get a report or something, what's kind of your, like, this, I know, do this, 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 like, the first thing you do?
6: So, um, and I don't always do this every, I mean, I don't always choose the right coping. I mean, y'all know, like, but for me, I have created a habit. The first thing I do every single morning is my quiet time. I didn't always do that, I didn't always have time. I didn't always like, you know, you have babies and you have like, I didn't always do that. But that has become, I miss it now when I don't have it. And so I start my day that way. I literally start my day that way. Um, And then the other thing that I've I've learned to do is, I like, I mean, I kind of keep my emotions buttoned up. I'm just that kind of person. I don't like that about myself, but I have learned that I need to, there's days where I need to, like today, I need to just have a me time and I need to process what I'm thinking, reflect. And um, it often comes around Cassidy's birthday, usually leading up to her birthday. And I take some days and I just, kind of just put on some praise music. I just, thankfully I have a good teammate and my husband. Um, We're a good team and and so I'm getting better at sharing with him. I used to not. I just hold it inside. <laughs> but um, I've just learned to talk and I've learned to share too. And that's, that has been huge because I used to not like to tell people like, oh, I'm hurting or this is sad or this is hard. But I've learned to really find a safe person to share. Like, hey, I'm feeling this way. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's so good.
1: Seriously, your, t- your story is just amazing. Anything you wanna add or?
3: Renee, um, just being a mom and expecting a mom as well. Um, and just the, you sharing just about the things we can't control. Right. Um, and, and why do things certain, why do certain things happen? Um, how do you handle like the everyday worry? I mean, I feel like even with healthy kiddos, you, you still worry about them, but just the unknown of how long or what's next or what, you know, what do we do next? Like, how do you, how do you kind of handle
6: that? Sure. Well, I don't always do that well. Um, My husband is the less of the, I think that's just men, but (laughs) moms are a lot more worriers. I don't always do that well. I mean, my family will tell you I am the worrier in my family and I have had to really get control of my thought life. I mean, that's ultimately when I feel that worry starting to take control and starting to control my life, I, I, the Bible says to take thoughts captive. And that's what that means. Like I literally have to be like, no, 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 I'm not going to think that way. And I either go to a scripture or I think something that is truth because I'm big on that. Like I tell my kids all the time, like what is true? And, um, and so I, take that thought and change it to a true thought. And, and it takes practice, but you have to say it over and over again because you're, I mean, Satan wants us to worry and have anxiety and be stressed out. He wants to distract us from what God wants to do in our lives. And so for me, it has been a struggle to not allow myself to be distracted by that worry. I'm not gonna sit up here and say like, oh, I have it all figured out because it is, it is a practice. I think I have a lot more figured out than when I was 24, but um Daily practice, taking those thoughts captive. Yeah,
3: awesome! What an encouragement! Thank you. Yes,
1: yes. Thank weren't you. these ladies so good? So so good. Powerful, powerful testimonies, and and you know, I think moments like this, like you know, the reason we really wanted to do this is because you don't realize who you're sitting next to, <laughs> oftentimes, and you know, these women honestly represent a lot of women in our church that are daily facing very difficult things or have overcome difficult things and walking with Jesus. And, and, um, and it's an encouragement to me. I don't know if it's an encouragement to you. I pray it is. But it is encouragement to me that um, I can do tomorrow. <laughs> I can do today. I can face this. Lord, we thank you for these amazing women that have shared their stories and their testimonies. And even though it was just a small part that small part, man, has made a big impact on us. We're so thankful for the life that they have led and the stories that they've decided to open up and share with us. And Lord, I pray right now in this conversation that our conversation would bless each other, encourage each other, maybe give us a moment to open up and um Maybe there's something we've been suppressing that we need to open up and, and just kind of talk about. And God, I pray that there is life in this moment and I'm thankful for sisters in Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit trademark.church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast and we'll
5: see you soon.